And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Sammy by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. It is Saturday night, and the Avs rookies easily took down the Las Vegas Golden Knights rookies 5-2 to two today. Never was much trouble, honestly. It seemed like a pretty easy game. They cruised through most of the thir- third period. AJ, you were in the building. You got to see it live. What are your quick takeaways to start? Uh, well, honestly, man, that that it was five to two, uh, you know, it could have easily been seven or eight. Yeah. The way that the first period went, uh, they they laid it on them pretty heavily in the first period. And then they came out in the second period and just kept pouring it on. Uh, once they broke through goals wise in the second period, they really uh, they really kind of just put their foot on the throat and pressed and uh, really Vegas didn't have much of a pushback in the third period. It was it, when the best thing that Vegas can say is that the third period was even, uh, despite of going in with a four-one de- deficit. Uh, it really goes to show you, you know, we we talk about score effects all the time. They exist in games like this too, and uh, really didn't play much of a role. Colorado just kind of, <laughs> honestly, they just just kind of beat them up. Yeah, shot totals ended up being thirty-eight to twenty-three in the Avs' favor, and and half of Vegas's shots came in the third. So yeah, they did get a little more offense in, but never really that dangerous. As you said in the first period, Avs probably should have had a power play goal that Lewis just couldn't put away. <sighs> a great play from Bowers and Henry to, or I think it was Bowers and Cout. Just it was, it was bang, Henry. Bang pass. It was Henry. Yeah, okay, it was yeah. Henry on the uh, tic tac toe p- play where they yeah. hit Lewis on the back door and Lewis just sort of flubbed it. Yep. Um, yeah, that was that was Nick Henry, man. I mean, and he knew exactly when that pass was made. He knew exactly where he was going yep. with it. It was bang bang, and then Lewis, uh, who I'll just say this now, I thought was uh, one of Colorado's worst players out there today. Yeah, he struggled. Uh, it's. Him and that same line we kind of called out at the one day of rookie camp, I think, were the two weakest for the Avs. Uh, yeah, I I did like Shvirev a lot. Shvirev uh, was good. That's I, true. I was uh, thinking about our conversation on the pod yesterday when watching Shvirev, and then he got that empty net goal where he just out-muscled a dude and, you know, Good speed, Straight hounded the puck down. Yeah, yeah. good, good speed, good, uh, good stick work. Won the 50-50 battle, and then good finish. You know, I mean, you could say, "Oh, it was an empty net goal," but like for an empty netter, that one, uh, that one had a degree of difficulty attached yeah. to it, and it's about as hard as an empty netter gets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pure hard work. That's all. That's all that was. It was just hard work, and um, great job, great job by him, man. I really um, was really impressed with that, and. Finished off what I thought was a really solid day for for Shvirev. 
yeah, I I know that we want to talk about Bowen Byron, but I want to yeah. put that on the back burner for a minute because I want to talk about that top line, yeah. specifically Nick Henry, because yeah. Henry was far and away the player of the game for me. Uh, five shots on goal, uh, and it felt yep. like fifteen. Right, like he and was, all of them were quality. He was everywhere, yeah. man. I mean, he was all over the ice. Uh, looked great. He was really, uh, really. I thought he he played a solid game. Uh, Greg Cronin said after the game that everybody knows who Nick Henry is. There's no secret. He's a he's a whale of a shooter, uh, but his feet is what's going to keep him out of the NHL. Uh, if if something were to keep him out of the NHL. And he he really expressed a lot of optimism and said that he felt like Henry's already grown significantly from when he saw him at the end of last season to uh, today's game. And I mean, I I know I know coaches don't ever don't ever like to be like, oh yeah, we dominated that game, you know, like they don't they don't ever go out and they're there's always something that they that they're <laughs> looking to pick apart, uh, but. Yep. Even Cronin today was was pretty over overly optimistic. You know, he was he was pretty on the positive side of things. And Henry was a guy that he definitely had a glowing review of, and rightfully so. He had a great game. Yeah, I I really do. He showed off the versatility of his shot too. The first goal for the Abs was the wrister. The second goal, he ended up with the assist because Bowers poked it in. But that bomb of a slapper yeah, as well, the hole in the in the so, goaltender's doing glove. it in different ways. Yeah, right. So he he bombed the puck today. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. If you're Greg Cronin and you saw this game. Man, you got to have a hard time breaking up that line of, of Bowers, Henry, and Cout. Right? I, I mean, the only way that it gets broken up is when the Avs call up and say, "Hey, we're taking one of them." There's, there's yeah, no fair. way otherwise. Yeah. Like, even you know, uh, uh, with Contra and and Tynan and Magna and Greer and Dries all kind of hanging around, um, I I don't see how you could break that line up realistically. Maybe. I mean, I, I could see where they would put Greer in Henry's spot, but given the chem, given the chemistry that they had today, uh, the and the way that right, I mean, they just dominated. You know, they they combined yeah, they, for eleven shots on goal. Um, Bowers and Henry each had a goal and an assist. Cowd had an assist. Easily could have had a goal had he not flubbed a one timer uh, from from Bowers. Bowers could have had four assists on the game. So don't keep yeah, those three the, together. The line played out. Yeah, it, it played out exactly how it was designed to play. You had Henry yeah. as the shooter, Cout kind of the, the floating weir that could move around the ice, and Bowers doing a lot of the dirty work in deep, digging out pucks and getting yeah. that front. And it just completely you look, where, you look where Cout was when he made the pass to Henry on that goal. Uh, he yep. was in the center of the ice, yep. you know, and Bowers was on that left wing. Dropped and he, he dropped it uh, for a crossing uh, Henry who was crossing behind him. Picked it up, sniped it, and won one, and then it was downhill from there. You know, the Avs, the Avs really just tore him up after that. They just were rolling after that, basically. Yep. What did you think of the penalty kill? We only got to see two minutes of it. The Avs did a very good job of staying out of the mm-hmm. box. Really, I, I honestly didn't think too but, much of it. Um, it looked, it looked yeah. fine to me. Uh, I want to see. <laughs> I don't want to see more of it, 
but right, we right. will inevitably see more of it. Uh, I did really like the unit that it ended with, uh, with with Dickinson, uh, Shvirev, Byram, that that trio. I don't remember who the yeah. other defenseman was. Uh, I think it was Anderson, but I I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not a hundred percent on that. And I liked that unit. I thought they did a good job keeping it to the outside. Uh, and then one puck battles where there were competitive pucks. They they did everything that was asked of them and uh, telling Bowen Byram on that unit as well. When I talked to him after the game and he said by far the thing that he needs to continue to work on is his defensive play. Uh, he goes out there and plays on the PK like it's nothing. It was interesting. They did use all three defensive pairs on that PK. So they didn't really lean into Byron and Timmons as much because at five on five, they were just rolling those two and uh, yeah. I could get used to and that. You want to see them. You want, you want to see him, man. And Timmons, yep. I guess, I guess we could just get into this because Timmons, his yeah. first game back, we all wanted to know how was he going to do with contact? I think it was his second or third shift. He, he took a, not like a big hit, but he took hard contact behind the net on the puck. Uh, and handled it just fine. You know, they ended up getting hemmed in their own zone, and that was really the only thing about the shift that you were disappointed in. But other than that, you felt like he he handled the contact the way he was supposed to, and the you know played really really well. Yeah, coming out of period one, I thought Timmons was the better defenseman. I thought he was having a better game than Byram, and then. Of course, in period two, Byram kind of stole the show, but but Timmons was extremely solid, particularly on the defensive side. He did have that one bad turnover, but he made multiple mm. nice plays with his stick to get the puck going the other way and then was breaking the, pu- the puck Bad out turnover, is that the one where he was laying on the ice? And he, he just yeah. blindly threw it right to the guy who was standing three feet away from him. And then he yeah. blocked the shot right in front of him. Yeah. He was still laying on the right. ice. I was like, well, <laughs> if you're going to turn it over and make a mistake, that's not a bad way to make up for it. Yeah, exactly. And I was really impressed with his defensive side, especially because he allowed Byron to open it up a little bit and they were clicking as well. Man, there were a couple of passing plays between the two of them in the offensive zone. Where oh, just the, one, found the one where he flipped it down on the right side and, and Timmons carried the puck down in. That happened. I had walked down from press row because we were at the far end, and I had walked all the way down, and I was standing down on that end when he made that pass, and I was just like, okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> Done. Like, it was It was so – it was a perfect pass, and it was a perfect play by Timmons to go down there. It was a great read. Uh, it, it, everything about it, everything about what you're excited about with Connor Timmons was on full display today. And it's funny because if you go and look at the box score, Timmons, one of only two abs today who did not record a goal and assist a penalty minute, a shot, or even a plus minus. He had zeros across the board. The only, the only other guy who did that today for the abs was Sasha LaRock. And you'd think, oh, he didn't do very much then. But he was the one who made the pass, Colorado's first goal. He made the backhand pass to Byram, uh, who then uh, moved it ahead for, uh, you know, up up through the neutral zone yeah, to, to, count. to count. And that's, you know, Byram, oh, that, that breakout pass. That was started by Timmons. Yep. So, you know, that's, you know, and you can only hand out so many assists here, but 
Uh, Timmons made that play. And then the other aspect that I loved about Timmons today, no fear. Yeah, did not shy away from anything, right? You know, what I wanted to see, knowing that, you know, the big hit that he took came from him driving the center of the ice uh, into the offensive zone. He had his head down, and that that was where he took that hit. And so I was curious if he would avoid that situation. Three separate occasions in this game that I can remember, he came through the neutral zone with the puck and drove uh, drove right down the middle of the ice into the offensive zone. Absolutely no fear. Not worried at all about it. No flashbacks of the big hit. Nothing. There were no side effects. He got back on the ice and was the same guy he was before the injury. And all the comparisons to Joey Hishin, that was the fear. Because when Hishin came back, he wasn't the same guy. That mentality, that aggressiveness. You know, Hishin was an undersized dude who had to play up in order to be uh, successful. And he didn't have that anymore when he got back from his concussion. Obviously, it's just one game and in a game that doesn't count. But holy smokes, you have to feel positive about Connor Timmons' recovery now. Right. It- you couldn't ask for anything more out of his first game back against actual competition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was not, not only was <laughs> not only was that like really cool, but it was also really telling that he wasn't even their best player. Right. <laughs> the fact that he wasn't the best defenseman on the ice, pretty high praise for Byram. I, was I was talking with uh you know uh daters here in town as well covering this and he and I were talking to some people after the game we were kind of standing around and you know just kind of just chit-chatting catching up and you know the hockey world's like it's like high school you know everybody's back from the summer and catching up on what happened and right, uh, right. we were all kind of standing around and and you know one of them was one of them wanted to talk about the Buffs game, which go see you. Uh, and then the other one was like, "All right, let's 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 cut the let's cut the nonsense here. Who was the best player on the ice?" And there was kind of like some, uh, you know, uh, and I was like, "Are you guys high?" It was Byram. Like, come on now. I'd give it to Henry still. What Byram did as an eighteen-year-old kid on that stage, like. I mean, it's not like transcendent. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame or anything. I don't even know that he makes the avalanche. But it was really impressive for an 18-year-old kid to come out and play the way that he did uh, and, and to, just, to just dominate the pace of play. Because so often when he, was on, when he was on the ice, he did exactly what he did with the Giants that made him so good last year in the WHL, is that he dictated play. He would get the puck, and then everybody else on the ice is playing at his pace. You know, he's he's making the decisions. He's driving the play. He's the guy that's dictating what's going on and what everybody else is having to react to out there. And it was it was awfully impressive. His reads, um, the way that his he's very vocal on the ice. I don't know. I don't know what the stream situation is like. Uh, so I'm not sure like the quality and the sound quality of everything. But in the arena. He is a chatterbox. He is constantly in in his his partner's ears, uh, uh, talking about positioning. And uh, puck goes back to center ice, and he immediately he turns around, he looks, he scans the ice, and he just starts directing traffic. Guy hasn't even picked up the puck yet, and he's telling people where to go. 
it's I love that his his he is a he is a classic classic general on the blue line yeah just ordering everybody around and getting it all set up maybe the thing I was most impressed with there were the breakout passes were great uh skating through the neutral zone was great some nice defensive plays there were a couple of iffy moments uh along the way but the thing I was most impressed with was that first power play where he dominated that he they had multiple attempts where they could they tried to get the puck out and he either stepped up at the perfect moment won the 50 50 battle or uh he took the pass and then created space and and found somebody else uh open to keep the power play going he was in every respect that i wanted to see from him extremely impressive yeah i i have no argument with him being the Everything you asked him to be, just like Nick Henry's game, a, a touch more. But that is great to hear that he's a talker on the ice because that's something the Avs kind of need. They've gotten themselves into trouble often with non-communication in the defensive zone and, and not telling each other where they are. So that could help the Avs a lot. Well, it's it's a trait shared. You know, Eric Johnson's always been kind of a quiet guy on the ice. Uh, Tyson Berry was another guy who was in no way vocal. And I think some of that might've just been like, he doesn't want to tell somebody how to play defense. (laughs) Uh, But he was, uh, he was not a talker at all. And Ian Cole kind of brought that a little bit last year. He was a guy that, that liked to, likes to talk a lot. Uh, But the problem was, is Ian Cole would have his problems executing. Uh, Kale McCarr though, Kale McCarr is a talker. And so you get McCarr and you put Byram back there and there was obvious chemistry between Timmons and Byram. And I can tell you that chemistry extends off ice too. They've been, they were sitting next to each other in the locker room and we wandered in there and it was, it was all laughs. And you know, the, there's a real, there's a real chemistry starting to build and not just the avalanche locker room, but among its prospects as well. And I think that's important that continuity and that familiarity that brotherhood, that pride of playing with one another is starting to filter down throughout the entire organization. And the whole concept of culture is getting built. And I think a guy like Byram is going to be an integral part of that moving forward. Man, now you're just making me want Byram to be allowed to play in the AHL. (laughs) He doesn't need it. Oh my gosh, does he not need it? Uh, And and after today, I mean, you obviously don't want to get too high on things. But after today... I could see the abs front office being like, eh, we'll just make our opening night third pairing these guys. Hey, I'm down. If they want to go with Byram Timmons, you know, why not just play the kids, man? I mean, all this talk about Connaughton and, and Barbario and Ryan Graves and Callie Rosen and, oh, when is he and Cole coming back? Just pretend like the abs didn't play go out kids. and get any of those. Right. Play the kids. Go with your ride or die. If something happens, you've got nine games to change your mind in terms of Byram. And you can always send Timmons down freely if it if it really goes poorly. But why not? I mean, I'm I'm of the I'm getting to the opinion. I obviously I need to see more to be convinced, but it's starting to just be like, look, these these guys are talented. They they look like NHLers, they play like NHLers. The intelligence, the skill, the chemistry, all of this is coming together. Why not just keep them, man? Why not just keep them and say, this is what we're going with? We got all these other guys, and that's great. In case of an injury, we'll still have them. 
but I I mean, you want to win some games and you want to you you're going to lose a couple of games because these guys will have bad games. But you know that the upsides are there. What are you getting out of Kevin Connaughton? You know, what do you what are you getting out of Mark Barbario? You're getting at their best, you're getting third pairing ceilings out of these guys. You could have one of the most dynamic and interesting third pairings in the NHL if you if you just decide that hey, we're going full blown YOLO mode. Yeah, like you said, why not give it a try, right? I, I mean, if Ian Cole really is out for a while uh, and and EJ's healthy, uh, you know, Zadorov and Johnson can be kind of your heavy defensive pairing and then Gerard yep. and McCarr can be your kind of your offensive guys. And and then you'd have to shelter uh, Byram and, and Timmons a little bit, but... Ultimately, man, like it's you're talking about just going with your most talented players and getting out of your own way. And there's plenty of good reasons not to do it. There's plenty of good arguments against this. I'm not saying that this is the obvious thing. And again, that would be an overreaction to one game in a in the rookie faceoff where you're just like, come on. But the talent is there and they look so much better than the other guys out there, uh, including some of Vegas's guys. And Vegas had especially defensively, they had a handful of guys who were all going to be competing for roster spots. So for them for them to have done what they did today, uh, pretty impressive. I'm looking forward to the Kings game tomorrow where they're going to play a lot more high-level prospects. It's not just going to be like Cody Glass, Nick Hague, and then a bunch of dudes, but off to a really good start. I like the sound of that. A couple of odds and ends. Also got goals from Logan O'Connor, who was wearing the C on the day, and Luca Burzan as well. I No one really stood out like the players we talked about already, but I thought those two had solid games at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, dude, I really, I think, I think Ty Lewis was the only guy where I was like, bad game. Everybody else was either neutral or slightly above. I think Mutala struggled a bit. The, he did have the turnover that resulted in the second goal for yeah, Vegas. I was going to say the overextension uh, on the second goal wasn't great. It definitely got him, got him caught there. Uh, but there were a lot of little things that I really liked that he did. Uh, he's got a really good sense of how to operate in the offensive zone. And uh, cycling pucks uh, was a real strength of his today where I, I liked some of the little things that he did. Sure. Uh, they they stood out to me and I I did I did like that between the two guys that you and I, you know, you you're a Mutala guy, I'm a Luca Burzon guy. I was happy one of our guys got a goal. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, there you go. I think we can leave it there. Final thoughts on on game 1. Um not to be lost in the shuffle, but really like Trent Miner. Yeah, he was solid. Saw Adam Warner after the game. He is so tall. <laughs> didn't see him on the ice at rookie camp yesterday. Uh, didn't see, you know, obviously Miska and, and Miner played today. Uh, I'm starting to wonder if there might be uh, an injury there, which would obviously be, that would be bad news bears. Um, so I'm going to follow up on that, but I sure hope to see him in net sometime this weekend. Yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if he wasn't at least one of the two goalies tomorrow. Yeah, and you know if he's if he is hurt, then right. we'll know. You know, yeah, that would sure. be something to monitor. But 
Right now, that's purely speculative for me just because he hasn't been on the ice the last two whole days. Right. For bed. Definitely not the way, not the note to end the podcast on. On the whole, really a fantastic welcome back to hockey, even if it is just a rookie game for the Avs. Well, and, and the Avs have gotten beat up in these things in the last right. couple of years. Yep. And they went out and they, they just teed off on Vegas today. Yeah, it... The second Vegas scored the first goal, it was pretty much all Colorado after that. It, it felt very like, oh boy, here we go. Yep. You know, because remember Vegas just stomped Colorado last year. The Avs flipped the script, yeah. Yeah, and it was and it was like, ugh. Once it got to 1-1, I started feeling real good about it. But after that one nothing, I was like, come on, really? We're going to do this again? Yep. But these are, these are, this is a different era of avalanche hockey, man. All it the really things is. that we've gotten... <laughs> All the all the things that the PTSD has uh, has conditioned us for in the last ten years, not necessarily uh, <laughs> the case anymore. Yeah, not necessarily applying. <laughs> okay, well, AJ, thanks for coming on. Really happy to see the Avs back on the ice playing games. We will have another podcast like this one for the game against LA. Not sure if it'll be Sunday or maybe Monday morning. One of the two. We'll see, but. As always, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you later.